Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Wrigley Field in Chicago. It's the Cleveland Guardians 6, the Chicago Cubs nothing. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played, and a much, much better outcome on this Saturday night game than the Friday afternoon game. Uh, and judging by the uh, the amount of podcast listens, uh, you didn't care too much for that Friday game. You didn't want to relive that Friday game. Come on, I I see it. I see the numbers. I get it. I get it. Yeah, give it a. There were there were some things in there. There was some decent stuff right in that episode. Those of you that listened, uh, yeah, I know. I understand though. A lot of you uh, don't want to relive that game. This one I think you'll be excited about because this one the Guardians played just a, except for one play, a rock-solid game from beginning to end. Uh, They get out to a nice lead. They're able to extend that lead. They get great starting pitching. They get great bullpen work. Uh, Everybody in the lineup except for Josh Bell finds a way to contribute, and uh, it's a good game. And, I mean, on the opposite end of things, this is one that the Cubs fans are definitely going to want to forget about. I'm sure the Cubs podcasters right now are doing the same thing I was doing yesterday. Like, let's get through this, but uh, not one we want to remember. I mean, in fact, they do the they Cubs literally do the opposite. Everybody except our number five hitter, Josh Bell, contributes. Nearly everybody except for their number five hitter, Cody Bellinger, doesn't contribute. They do have one hit for me in half. They in a walk. All right, there's some walks in there too. One hit from Tucker Barnhart, the catcher of the nine hole, and then Cody Mellinger has three hits in the five hole. Josh Bell has no hits in our five hole. So literally mirror images, or, or I should say opposite images of each other. These two lineups on this game. So let's get into it. Let's get into the storylines of this game. We also have some off the field news to talk about. There have been a few news items coming up in the Guardians world that I think are at least worth mentioning on the show. Heck, we are a Guardians podcast. We cover it all, so why not uh, dive into some of those off-the-field news stories at the end of the episode? Top storylines in this game, it's got to be, you know, it's, it's both. It's both. It's Tanner Bybee's great start combined with some really good, timely hitting. Like, these swings looked good. Ahmed Rosario shot up the middle, looked good. Uh, Will Brennan pulling the ball into right field, looked good. Andres Jimenez pulling the ball into right field, looked good. These were good, solid swings. If Rosario and Jimenez were making swings like this all season, who knows where this team would be, right? These were the kind of swings we saw from them when they were at their best last year. If Ahmed Rosario wasn't chasing pitches down and out of the strike zone just on such a consistent basis, if he could be this kind of hitter, it really would change the conversation about the future shortstop in Cleveland. Like, there is a great player somewhere in Ahmed Rosario. We just don't get to see it every day. Uh, Instead, we see the guy that just chases sliders down and out of the zone. But this one... He gets one in the middle of the plate and puts a really nice swing on it back up the middle. Uh, So, in fact, it drives in the first two runs of the game. So, let's just start there. Um, 
it was uh, interesting the pitch locations for a lot of these hits. But this inning actually starts with a walk. A two-out walk to Bo Naylor. He finds his way to contribute offensively, even though he does not have a hit. Quan with a double, and then Ahmed Rosario. Um, Quan, uh, Quan hit a ground ball that deflected... Um, it was your ass right. It was deflected by the first baseman. So kind of a, an interesting double there for Quan. He gets a pass first base, uh, kind of trickles out into right field. Uh, so it goes as a double there. They got runners on second and third. Two outs still, and Ahmed Rosario shoots that single back up the middle. They had a nice view from home plate, and you could see how fast Quan comes around third base. I'm telling you, that guy is a missile, an absolute missile rounding the bases. I love watching Quan uh, run the bases. So Rosario actually comes up with a big hit. He drives in the first two runs of the game. Uh, Ramirez would actually strike out to end that threat. So a good job by Rosario. It's 102.4 miles per hour, 10 degree launch angle. Just a perfect line drive back up the middle. And uh, what was the pitch? Going over to the illustrator here. Taking a look at the Guardians hits, uh, I thought this was interesting. So the location for this one is down the middle. but it's a uh, It was a sinker down the middle, so something hard, not a slider, not something he has to chase. Uh, a sinker down the middle, and he shoots it back up, yeah, maybe, maybe just below the waist a little bit. Uh, a lot of the hits from the Guardians on the night, especially from the left-handers, came from stuff that was breaking in on them. And we've seen how good, uh, especially Jimenez and Naylor can be hitting inside pitches. Both, uh, all three, Quan, Jimenez, and Naylor, all have hits off cutters from Stroman uh, in on their hands. Uh, Naylor's was down a little bit at the knees. Uh, Quan's and Jimenez's were right up in the middle of the plate. But in, on the inner edge. I'm telling you, all three of these cutters, inner edge, all three of these lefties come up with hits there. So good job of handling inside pitches. Will Brennan uh, does his off a bullpen guy, Merriweather, but it's a slider breaking in, down and in, and he's able to pull it uh, into right field and drive in some runs there. So we talked about it. Remember, he hit the home run yesterday the one good thing about yesterday he hit the home run on a pitch down and in like that and again he pulls another one down and in and drives in some runs hits it at 96.7 so pitch location uh from the cubs pitchers challenging those lefties in the guardians lineup inside and it did not work out for them uh so we are able to drive two we that two runs i mean would have hold up the whole game but we're able to add some insurance we get a rally going in the sixth inning this time it is Jose Ramirez leading things off uh, with a single, uh, a one-out single. Naylor is able to add to it. Um, he uh, ground ball to second base. Horner tries to flip the ball. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the description here, remembering, like, why was this significant? Why did he single on a ground ball to second base? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. It was deep in the hole. Horner tried to flip it from the glove and wasn't anywhere close to the bag. So, uh uh, Stroman does a good job backing it up at least, and uh, now it's runners at first and second. Josh Bell would pop out, you know. You know, I thought Bell might be turning a corner. And remember, we talked about this. Like, if Bell actually just plays like to his career average for the rest of the season, 
it could have a major impact in the middle of the Guardians' offense. Bell on this night did everything he could to try to kill rallies, uh, striking out with guys on base, popping out with runners on base. Um, it was not a good Josh Bell game. Andres Jimenez, though, with two outs, again, two out RBIs. We said it was that inside pitch, that inside cutter, um, and he is able to uh, drive it into right field. Jose Ramirez comes in to score. It was kind of a kind of a close play at the plate, but Ramirez comes flying around third. Uh, no hesitation, like a missile. He comes in and scores. Uh, Naylor moves up to third. They go to the bullpen, and uh, Will Brennan is able to shoot one into right field uh, and score Josh Naylor. So good job, those lefties pulling the ball into right field. Uh, and then Miles Straw comes up, and he gets the one. He shoots one back up the middle. Uh, most of these are hard-hit stuff or decently hard-hit stuff. Ramirez's singles at 99. Naylor's was only at 89. Remember, that was a ground ball to second base. Jimenez gets his single at 91.3, so not technically a hard-hit ball, but decent. Uh, Brennan at 96.7, and then Straw at 103.6 back up the middle. So at least, I mean, he's hitting a ground ball, but he's at least hitting it to the right spot in the field, and it scoots past Cody Bellinger. Now, we talked about this uh, yesterday with the uh, throw from Steele to second base, where it, it just it's nice sometimes for these guys to remind us that they're we're all human, and we all make dumb plays. And uh, here goes Cody Bellinger doing it again, continuing that storyline uh, for this series with just letting a ball squirt right past him, a ground ball up the middle that he easily should pounce on. Uh, you know, maybe Andres Jimenez scores. Brennan shouldn't have scored. Uh, Straw shouldn't have ended up at up third. But it gets past Cody Bellinger somehow. I, he overruns it. It shoots past him. Uh, it never should have happened. It's a dumb play. But now he's got to go turn and chase this thing into center field. Remember, you know, we had a two-hour rain delay in this game. So I'm sure the outfield was nice and damp and things were sliding like crazy out there. And uh, now he's got to go turn and chase this thing. And it lets another run come in to score. So another kind of dumb human moment uh, from a player in this game. While I'm mentioning it, before I forget, the Guardians had their own dumb moment where Quan and Straw, and speaking of Cody Bellinger, he bloops one or pops one up right between them. It looks like Quan calls for it at first, but they've talked about how like they have a lot of nonverbal communication out there and they're really used to each other. And this was a moment where that backfired because Quan caught a flash of straw out of the corner of his eye and immediately pulled up and backed off. And then they look at each other, realizing neither of them is going to go for it, and then they both try to lunge for it at the last second, and it looks terrible. looks absolutely terrible. Bellinger ends up with a double. It doesn't hurt us, uh, because uh, uh, Bybee would actually uh, bear down and strike out the next two hitters. But, I mean, that that has to be. Then nip that in the butt. Uh, Whoever is coaching the outfielders uh, at this moment, I honestly don't know which one on the coaching staff is responsible for the outfielders, but uh, you got to go to them and go, guys, no more nonverbal communication. I better hear someone call it. Uh, Your your little eye contact thing was cute when you're winning gold gloves, but when you're letting balls fall between you, like a couple of little leaguers uh, making dumb human errors, 
maybe, 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 maybe someone just call it and take it and let's not deal with this anymore. But uh, Straw, it's nice to see him actually contribute to the offense and drive in two runs here. Uh, in the sixth inning. So it makes it a 6-0 game, and the Guardians just run away with that score. Uh, they'd have a few other chance. They'd have a chance to score in the seventh, but like I said, the middle of the lineup actually wasn't driving in the runs. It was it was the bottom of the lineup and the top of the lineup. Naylor and Bell both strike out here in the seventh with a chance to add on. And then we go one, two, three through the rest of the game through the last two innings. So a really, really strong offensive game from the Guardians. Six runs on eight hits. You're at least being really efficient uh, with the guys that are getting on base and, uh, you know, coming up with some real timely hits there. Uh, I'm curious what the final, with runners in scoring position, four for nine. Only five left on base. That's very, that's very good. That's very good. For what this offense has done all season, four for nine with runners in scoring position is pretty darn good. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun when the offense is actually doing what they do, right? Rallies. Listen to what you got here. You got guys getting on base. You got rallies. You got guys driving them in. Uh, you got guys pulling the ball, using the middle of the field. Uh, it's it's a good – it was a good offensive day for the Guardians. Uh, and, man, more days like this for the second half of the season. Remember, we're into the second half of the season now. This was game 82. I didn't talk about it yesterday because it was such a bad game. But at the halfway point, we we really have to like measure this team and see what this team has. And uh, more games like this in the second half uh, actually actually means this team could go somewhere. So uh, on the other side of things, on the pitching side of things, uh, Bybee, what a line. Five and two-thirds, three hits, no earned runs, two walks, nine strikeouts, zero home runs, 96 pitches, uh, only two, only two hard hit balls. Wow. That is fantastic start there from Tanner Bybee. And after getting shelled in San Diego, his last three starts, he's just gotten better. He goes five innings against Arizona, gives up seven hits, but only three runs does give up a home run, but six strikeouts. So a decent start. Uh, does take the win in that game against the Milwaukee Brewers. An even better start, six innings, uh, only three hits, uh, two runs, only one earned, uh, and seven strikeouts. No home runs and seven strikeouts in that one. He did walk four, but seven strikeouts to balance that out and got the win. And uh, in this one, uh, he definitely got the win, right? Let me refresh this page. Uh, I'm recording this, I mean, immediately after the game ended. Uh, so yeah, Bybee gets the win in this one. Uh, goes, again, five and two thirds, the nine strikeouts. So he's only getting stronger. He's only getting stronger. The starts are only getting better, uh, for him since San Diego and three wins in a row. Uh, pretty good, pretty good stuff there, um, for Bybee and the strikeouts, you know, have climbed back. There was a moment there against Boston. He does get the win against the Red Sox, but only had two strikeouts over five innings. Against San Diego, it's only three strikeouts and four innings. Now he's starting to get the strikeouts back. Six, then seven, then nine strikeouts in this one. So uh, how was he doing it? Oh, it was the fastball. It was the fastball. 
That's how uh, Tanner Bybee was getting all these strikeouts. It's actually really interesting because him and Marcus Stroman, Stroman had a decent amount of strikeouts in the game. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't really call this a great game for him giving up five runs over five and two-thirds as well, but he did have seven strikeouts. Um, But all of Stroman's strikeouts are on stuff that was down at the knees or below, off the plate. Um, A lot of sinkers, uh, some slurves down there, uh, a cutter to Andres Jimenez that was down, uh, and a slider to Josh Bell underneath uh, at the bottom. I should say underneath the strike zone. Sorry, underneath the strike zone. So everything from Stroman is at the knees or below, low stuff. Everything for Bybee, pretty much everything. Pretty much everything from Bybee is uh, up, and a lot of fastballs up at the top of the zone. Uh, so, uh, he's got, let's see here of his nine strikeouts, seven of them come via the fastball. I would say five of them come at the top of the strike zone or above. Uh, some of these are looking, some of these are swinging. Uh, most of these, nope. Some of these at the top of the zone even are called strike one to Dansby Swanson right at the top of the zone. Um, he does mix in one slider to Nick Madrigal for a called strike, locks him up in the fifth inning, and uh, he gets Jared Young in the uh, second inning swinging over a changeup. So uh, that's how he does it. So it's just, that's, you know, one of the things I noticed in this game as I'm watching it. I'm like, man, uh, Bybee is really attacking the top of the zone. Stroman really attacking the bottom of the zone. So they go about it different ways. And it works out, you know, obviously works out better for Bybee in the end. Overall, he was just attacking the zone. Um, most fastballs up, mostly fastballs up, and a decent amount uh, peppered throughout the entire strike zone, but mostly attacking the top of the strike zone, going high with fastballs. And then, uh, frankly, he doesn't really throw out of the zone that often. Yeah, there's a few changeups and sliders down there. But most of the changeups and sliders come in the strike zone and even a few curveballs in there. So Bybee staying true to what he does, attacking the strike zone. I think they talked about him and Gavin Williams, right, and Allen. They challenged themselves to see how many breaking balls they can throw for strikes and attack the strike zone with them. Uh, But it was the fastball. That was the story on the day. Most of his whiffs come on the fastball, eight whiffs. Uh, come on the fastball, 8 out of 13. It's a 26% whiff rate total on the day for him. Uh, he had six more called strikes, but then gets 17 foul balls off that four-seam fastball. So, you know, we've seen that on the other side where the Guardians can't handle someone's fastball. And even if they're not whiffing at, a, you know, a 30 40% whiff rate, still fouling off all those pitches keeps you in bad counts. They're pitches that, you know, maybe you should be getting hits off of. And uh, you're you're wasting opportunities there. So, uh, yeah, he would throw it pretty much in every count. I mean, the fastball really was his go-to uh, pitch. Even, uh, you know, going in strikeout counts, 1-2 counts, 2-2 two, two counts. It's mostly fastball. Uh, it's worked ahead pretty well. Only two guys make it to 2-0. Nobody makes it to 3-0. So working ahead... Uh, pretty even whether he was starting 0-1 or 1-0, but working in pitcher's counts for most of the game for Tanner Bybee. 
so a, a really, really solid start from him. And, you know, that's great. These rookies, the fact that we're in the middle of the season and they're still delivering these really solid, strong starts. I mean, what a difference from what we saw yesterday with Cal Quantrill, right? Bybee and Williams, I mean, they're in another league compared to Cal, what Cal Quantrill is right now as a pitcher. Um it's going to be really interesting to see what the starting rotation, maybe after the All-Star break, what the starting rotation is going to look like. Um, so a huge day for Bybee. And then, you know, they take him out of the game in the sixth inning. And I'm sure a lot of you, because Henches does give up a hit uh, to the first battery faces. I believe it is um, Bellinger uh, in the sixth inning here. He comes in to face the lefty. And uh, there was Ian Happ was already on base. He had struck out Suzuki to end his day. Bybee did, and then yeah, Bellinger singles at 103 miles per hour. So he's supposed to get the lefty. And f- instead, uh, Sam Henches has to face the righty, Dansby Swanson, and gets him to ground out to get out of the thing. So uh, unexpected, you know, a little bit unexpected. You expect him to get the lefty. Instead, he gets the righty, uh, but he gets out of the inning. And uh, frankly. Uh, they interviewed Bybee during the game, and uh, he said Francona said to him it was, it was a kind of a pitch count thing. Like they're like, look, you gotta last all season. We're not gonna run you up over a hundred pitches again. You did a great job. We got a lefty matchup here, so this is where we're taking you out. If this doesn't work, I'm sure some of you are laying into Terry Francona. You know, why didn't you take him out of the game? You know, why didn't you let him finish that inning? Um, so it, it, it all works out in the end, and I understand the thinking, right? You, you have to, if we want these rookies to last, we have to be a little protective of them. I, I get the thinking, uh, and because you had that lefty-lefty matchup and Henches, it's been so good against lefties, uh, you know, I understand why you would go to him in that situation. So it all works out for Terry Francona, so no one, I don't think anyone is really going to be killing him out there on Twitter. Uh, actually, Henches is Henches has been good against both. He's got a one fourteen whip against lefties. He's got a one ten whip against righties. Uh, so he, he's been pretty good to both of them. Uh, frankly, uh, yeah, he's faced man, he's faced way more right-handed batters. There's just there just isn't enough lefties out there for him. He's only faced twenty eight lefties. He's faced fifty six righties. Uh, throughout this season for so far for Sam Hedges. So, uh, but uh, like I say, the the whips are at least comparable between the two, uh, lefty or righty. So, Hedges uh, does his job, gets out of it. Sandlin comes in. He is filthy, including, uh, I believe, striking out the side in the uh, eighth inning uh, to finish his day. What was working for uh, Sandlin on the day? Uh, looks like it was the slider. It was the slider. They could not put that slider in play. They put two fastballs in play. They could not put two whiffs, three called strikes, two foul balls. They couldn't put that slider in play. Uh, what does he get the strikeouts out? Let's jump back to that. Man, I when you strike out the side, you know, as a reliever, you know, we don't go into the relievers too often. But I feel like we got to give some credit here to Sandlin. Uh, three different pitches. Three different pitches. So uh, let's try to go in order here. Uh, so he gets Nico Horner chasing a slider. I mean, way out of the zone, way out to the glove side. 
uh, of the plate. So Horner goes down on an 0-2 count, chasing a bad pitch. Then he goes high fastball to get Christopher Morrell. Uh, sometimes it's fun when those side armors uh, ramp a fastball up to the top of the strike zone. It has such unique movement. So on a 2-2 count, he gets him to swing through that. And then uh, throws a two-seam sinker. And uh, on a 3-2 count, gets a called strike on Ian Happ. Hits the outside edge of the plate. Maybe half thought it was going to be a slider and it was going to sweep outside. Instead, it's the sinker that probably tailed back a little bit and caught the edge of the plate. And uh, three strikeouts for Samlin right there. And Eli Morgan in a mop-up roll mops up that ninth inning. So, uh, like we said, aside from that ball landing between Quan and Strong, it's just a really solid game from your Guardians. Uh, we needed it. We needed this bounce-back win. Uh, the Twins won uh, as well tonight. So as if you're if you're following the standings, which frankly I'm not too much. If they hadn't brought it up on the national broadcast, uh, I probably wouldn't have been paying much attention to it. But uh, you know, it keeps us a game back of the Twins. Uh, we're tied in the loss column at 42, but they're two games up us on on the win column at 42, and we've got 40. So uh, still work to do to try to reclaim the division lead before uh, we hit the All-Star break here. Why is it important? It's not. It just would be nice, right? It'd be nice to go into the All-Star break being, uh, you know, a division leader. Uh, It's just a nice moment in the middle of the season, uh, a nice measuring stick in the middle of the season to kind of look and evaluate your team. So uh, that's all my thoughts on this one. Uh, I think we covered it. I think we got it. We dove into this one pretty good. Let's talk about that off-the-field news um, first, they're going to start construction on the ballpark. I did not see that coming. Um, starting like, I, uh, let's see, I'll see what it says here. Um, but starting very soon, they're going to start construction. I, I thought they said even as early as this homestand, uh, they're going to start working on the stuff out in right field. Remember, they're going to build a whole structure that's going to go all the way out to ninth street. Uh, so completely change. Uh, the look and feel of the ballpark out there. But that's more like internal stuff, right? Kitchens and storage and nothing that's going to actually affect you except for construction is going to be going on. Uh, and, and they said it might affect the kids zone a little bit. So if you got little kids and you like taking them up to the kids zone there uh, where it currently is, it, it might be a little stripped down because of the construction. Uh, so, okay, uh, I wasn't expecting that in season, but I guess that's like, you know, that's part of the ballpark that's not going to really affect the fan experience in season, so why not get to start on that work? The other thing is we're going to have a uh, a sponsorship patch on the uniform, and it's going to be Marathon, uh, Marathon Gas, uh, Marathon Petroleum Corporation, which is an Ohio-based company, so okay, there's that. Uh, didn't really expect this. I mean, it's going to be a pretty big, according to the renderings, it's going to be a pretty big M, a pretty big marathon patch right there on the sleeve. So, uh, that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, a first time we're ever going to have that. I, frankly, I expected it to be the Goodyear logo or maybe Sherwin-Williams or a big progressive P or maybe just a picture of Flo's face or Flo with a Guardian's apron on, you know? Uh, didn't expect it to be a marathon gas company. So uh, not that it really matters. Okay, hey, maybe it's another influx of money. Maybe 
Maybe it's the difference between getting that free agent and not getting that free agent, in which case, sure, bring it on. Uh, For three years, we can look at the marathon patch, but uh, not really the company I expected. So I thought that was, if you see it, if you you didn't hear this news, and uh, suddenly you tune in for the next homestand, and you're like, what? What are they wearing on their sleeve? At least now you know. Now you're aware you got a little heads up. And then the last off-the-field news is uh, McKenzie and his elbow is still uh, he's seeking a second opinion. He's got some other doctors looking at it, doing a lot of uh, Tristan's digested stuff, and is talking to trainers, uh, Francona said. So they really don't have anything to say to us yet. Like, they really don't have, like, what his plan is, like we've seen other guys with these elbow injuries and sometimes they can just do like platelet treatments and other treatments and get the elbow and get the inflammation down and get the elbow feeling good again. And then some guys go Tommy John. And you know, uh, so McKenzie obviously trying to avoid that, uh, and figure out what's going on in his elbow. Uh, it's, it's not great news, that Frank, it's not great that Francona doesn't have something to tell us, that there's not a plan going forward, that they're still in the data collection, research collection phase of diagnosing his elbow. So uh, we're just going to have to wait a little bit longer on Tristan McKenzie. So that's it. That covers the off-the-field news. MVP on the day. Uh, you know, there's a lot. Frankly, there's a lot to go with offensively, but it's kind of spread around. And Tanner Bybee was just Filthy. I mean, he really, really was pitching, uh, pitching. Re- I mean, this is all-star level. Let's be honest, all-star level pitching. I don't think he's gonna make it this year, uh, but future all-star Tanner Bybee. I think so. I think so. I know you you kind of teased me a little bit when I got excited about him earlier in the season, but uh, if McKenzie's elbow does struggle, uh, Bybee and Williams really could could be compete could be competing as the future ace of this staff. Uh, their stuff, his stuff is that electric. So, uh, man, the velocity on those pitches too. Like he's not messing around. He maxed out. He averaged ninety five point three on that four seam fastball. He maxed out at ninety seven point five. That thing has life to it. So Tanner Bybee taking home MVP on the day, along with the big W. His third in a row. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. Probably recording this episode a little too early for those emails to come trickling in. Like I said, the game just ended and I hit record. Uh, But you can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know how impressed you are with Tanner Bybee. Let me know uh, how you're feeling about this bounce back. And still, you know, we're approaching the trade deadline. So if you have ideas out there, if you have avenues and paths you want to see this team take as we approach that trade deadline, let me know. ClevelandBaseballMornings at gmail.com. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. You can go to the link in the show notes, leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, responding to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.